0: Everybody, welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. I'm here today with Taylor Green of Collaborative Fund. Well, welcome to the show, Taylor.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's start by introducing our audience to you and to Collaborative Fund. Tell us what is, tell us about the fund. What is the fund size? What check, what size checks do you like to write? What stage do you like to work in? Let's get to know one another.
1: Sounds great. Yeah, just to give you a little bit of information about Collaborative. Uh, Collaborative was founded in 2010 by my partner Craig Shapiro. Uh started off uh as an 8 million dollar fund that was largely a continuation of uh Craig's angel investing uh where mm-hmm. we were writing uh smaller checks uh into early stage companies. Uh, and then you fast forward to 2019. We are investing out of our fourth fund. It's mm-hmm. a $100 million fund where we now mostly lead uh, early-stage investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, tend to be mostly seed rounds focused on uh, consumer-facing companies that are at the center of two things that uh, we're really interested in, uh, one being uh, for-profit you know, we are a venture capital firm. We have institutional investors who measure us on our returns.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but it's important uh, for us to also invest in founders and companies that, are, that, that also do some good for the world. So we invest at the center of that for-profit and, and, and for-good, and that's where we think the world is moving, and that's where we think uh, the opportunity is in, in, in entrepreneurs and companies that are uh, really aligning their values uh, with uh, you know, the companies that they built.
0: So impact investors?
1: Well, we're not impact investors um, because I think impact investors are measured on their, uh, on their ability you know, to invest in companies that are more on the for-good side. Our companies are for-profit biz- businesses first and foremost. Uh, okay. They happen to have mission-driven entrepreneurs. Um, uh, they happen to have mission-driven entrepreneurs and um, and missions that that we believe are are good for the world, but um, we actually think that because they have that mission alignment, um, it actually uh, it actually gives the company a better chance of success.
0: Okay, fair enough. Good distinction that you underscore. So um, when you say seed. Can you help define seed for us? Um, you know, the venture ecosystem has changed tremendously in the time that you have been in business. I'm sure you've been in business as entrepreneurs probably before that. I w- you know, I've been in the Silicon Valley venture ecosystem for you know, good 20-plus years. So there used to be seed and then Series A, but now it's pre-seed, seed post-seed, pre-series A, small series A, large series A, traditional series A, blah, blah, blah. So where in that continuum do you play?
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. Uh, so I've been investing full-time for about the last six years, and so I've seen a little bit of this movement, and in the, in the, during that time the whole pre-seed uh, industry has, has uh, you know come on the scene. Yeah, um, but I think seed is um, we is we're really investing in an early stage company. Sometimes it's called a Series A, sometimes sometimes it's called a seed round, and other times it's called a pre-seed. We, we are okay if it's that for we're the first check into the company. Um, it's okay uh, with us if the company has already raised from some angel investors. Um, but usually, a seed round is a two to three million dollar round. We typically invest into you know, we, we're, we typically take up about half of that round with our initial check and then we mm-hmm. syndicate the rest the rest of it um, but I think the the major shift over the last six years since i 've been doing this full time is um, really just kind of in the nomenclature I think pre seed is really akin to. Ten years ago, what would have been called a seed round or an angel round. Typically, that's between 750000 and a $1 million. Ten years ago, when I was raising money for my last company, uh, our Series A was $4, was $4 million. Uh, today, that would probably be called a seed round. Um, and then today, you're seeing a lot of seed extensions, which tend to be a $5 million round. That would have been... That would have been more of a Series A uh, 10 years ago. So I think when you actually look at the size of the rounds and uh, the succession of rounds being raised, I think it's very similar in terms of the amount of capital. It usually starts with a million, then it's often followed with three million, then five, then ten. I just think the names are different now.
0: No, I I don't agree with what you described here. I mean, we've done... More than 300 of these interviews, and people are invest- writing $50,000 checks, $100,000 checks in the pre-seed bucket, and um, and there are funds that do that. So uh, I think uh, you the the description that you gave I think uh, excludes that that class of investors, but there is that class exists, and some of them are very small funds, you know, 20, 30 million funds that are doing exclusively pre-seed, seed, maybe some post-seed. And um, I just talked to someone this morning. They're doing, um, you know, seed and very small Series A, maybe pre-Series A. And and the other trend in that segment is that some of these people would exit in Series C, Series D if, that, if the financing goes that far. So that's kind of understandable because, you know, this takes a long time, Right. And for yeah, these I mean, smaller funds, it's not possible to do pro rata. If if there's a hundred million dollar round, they can't really do pro rata with their fund sizes. So the, the business is changing somewhat.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it more from the entrepreneur's perspective, in terms of you know, from a dilution uh, from a dilution perspective. I still think that the round, the 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 amount being raised. Is, is, is about the same um, I think the nomenclature is, is different but I think you're right if you look at the makeup of the entities in those rounds 10 years ago you wouldn't have seen an institution investing into an angel round you would have right. seen individual angels that's um, correct that's
0: exactly right.
1: yeah so and that has I, I,
0: institutionalized I, I, now
1: yeah I think that that has changed. I think you do see the 50 k checks here and there. I think a lot of times it may look like an angel, but it's actually an angel who's a scout for one of the larger funds. Um, so you kind of have to dig into the into the details. Um, but I think the market's gotten more competitive, especially at the later stages that uh, funds are looking to get an edge by or at least more deal flow by investing. You know, into into earlier rounds. Uh, yeah. I think the one the one change is that, uh, or one of the most prominent changes, is that you you do see funds popping up that that do focus on quote unquote quote pre-seed, um, and they're going into angel rounds. Whereas previously you wouldn't have seen, you wouldn't have seen a fund taking up half of an angel round before. It would have been mostly individuals. So, I see it as more as more of a good thing for entrepreneurs. There's a lot of capital out there. Um, you know, th- I don't see it as you know a terrible thing for for VCs. I think more companies getting started and more access to capital is by and large a good thing for the market. Um, it's just our job to properly identify those companies early and convince them that we're the right partner. The right so partner it's still for them. the yeah you know, it's still it's still the same job for me. I think it's just that um you know there there are a few more institutions coming
0: in earlier so tell me about um, the kinds of b2c ventures you like to invest in and uh, you know how would you characterize besides it besides the ventures having a good element doing good element is there other parameterization that you could put on your uh, preferred investments
1: yeah i mean i would say I mean, I try to simplify it as much as, as possible. I think it's it's my job to find outstanding entrepreneurs with breakthrough ideas who are solving you know big problems in, in markets that are either big already or can grow into you know to something uh, into something huge. Um, and so I'm always looking for that. We do we do start very broad, but we have a handful of focus areas. Uh, one area that's really exciting to us is, is digital health uh, and healthcare. care. Mm-hmm. Um, we think mm-hmm. this is an area that's ripe for disruption, especially here in the U.S. Um, we also spend a lot of time on what we call the money category, which is effectively fintech. So we're looking for mobile-first businesses that um, either offer more transparency to users or uh, more access uh, to users or d- democratizing an industry. Uh, that's a really exciting Uh, category to us. We also do invest in some direct-to-consumer brands. Those tend to be mostly in the food space. One area that we're really excited about is uh, is sort of how people are thinking about their diets and health and wellness, and a lot of that is coming back to uh, some interesting things we're seeing uh, in in food. So it could be an environmental component with uh, meat that's Grown from cells, or uh, so they mm-hmm. don't have to actually grow an animal, um, which has an impact on the environment, um, no. or it, it has to do with plant-based diets, which um, you know people are flocking to because uh, of, of certain health benefits. Um, and so, uh, those are kind of the, the main categories that we uh, are focused on um, at the moment. Um, and I think there's plenty of really interesting companies that fall into those buckets to keep us busy.
0: Great. Now, what about geography?
1: Yeah, so we're based here in New York, so we focus um, a lot of our investing here, um, but we also have an an office on the West Coast in San Francisco. Um, But just given our network and our deal flow, most of our investing tends to be in New York, San Francisco, and then we also see uh, a lot of deals and invest a lot in Los Angeles, but also more recently uh, in in Boston.
0: Okay. And um, since you do consumer businesses mainly and you do seed, what do you like to see by way of validation or how do you decide what stage qualifies as seed for you? Because, again, we are seeing all kinds of different definitions of what is an acceptable seed situation for a fund.
1: Yeah, so we, we tend to define seed as typically an investment that's valued below a $15 million valuation. So that allows us to invest really early in, I guess, what's now called pre-seed. To us, it's kind of all the same, but we can come in early if we have a thesis around the space and we really think it's the right team, et cetera. We have no problem writing a smaller check uh, into a very early stage company at a lower value. So stage. you would
0: invest in a concept stage venture?
1: Yes. Absolutely. okay. Okay. Especially if we have a thesis on the space. So I would say half of the time, our investments are driven by pre-existing theses that we have within the firm. And then other times it's more opportunistic, where it's an idea that we hadn't even really thought of before, and we do our work, and we, we are able to validate it either with our own knowledge or or by our due diligence. Um, and we'll invest in those companies as well, even if they have um, you know, a fair amount of traction. Uh, and so we, we have flexibility for that reason in terms of the valuation that we come into because we like to come early into companies that we're really excited about and have a pre-existing thesis, but we're also can go a little bit bit later uh, if, for whatever reason, we needed more data to validate that thesis. Mm
0: -hmm. So you would, in the investment, in the thesis-driven situations, you are looking for a team that can execute on that thesis, and in the opportunistic cases, they come to you with the ideas, and if you like them, and they fit your well, you would you would accept that uh, as an investment. So let's do some examples. Um, talk about a couple of ventures that you have invested in, and also just to give us a feel for how you think about these companies. Talk us through what stage did they come to you in, and what is it about them that captured your attention?
1: Yeah. So um, one recent investment that we just announced uh, is a business called Step. STEP, which is a bank uh, for kids, so it's a mobile-first bank uh, mm-hmm. that focuses on you know, teens and kids. And we spent a lot of time analyzing the market and trying to understand which areas were either still largely cash-based economies, had not yet moved into a mobile-first um, digital bank. You know, there have been a lot of there's been a lot of activity in that, in that space um, addressing different populations. We felt that there was an opportunity in kids. Uh, we met an entrepreneur. It's actually an entrepreneur that I've known for a long time. I backed his last company. Uh, it's a guy named C.J. McDonald who's the founder of Step. Uh, he came to us with the idea. We already had a feeling that uh, that was a, a, a real opportunity an underserved population and so uh, we uh, decided to to make the investment based on that pre-existing thesis and it was very early you really just had an an idea. uh, How do you define
0: kids in this case? What
1: is the age group? Well it's mostly focused on on teenagers so right now in the at least in the U.S. uh, if a teenager needs money to go to the movies or Um, buy something, it's largely cash-based. So Mm -hmm. get cash from their parents um, and then go out and and make the transaction. They want to save up for something. It's Mm -hmm. largely them saving their own cash, not opening a bank account. But there's Mm -hmm. no reason to us why they can't uh, open a bank account. They're largely on their mobile phones already. Some of them are using apps like Venmo to transfer money. Um, but they haven't yet opened a, a, uh, their own bank account and don't have a product out there that's tailored directly to them. So it's largely... And does the, the company
0: work advantage. with other banks or is it a bank in its own right?
1: The company is a, a bank in its own right, but they have a debit okay. card that, uh, you know, they use one of the more popular uh, issuers um, uh, to, you know, to manage the card. But it's, they are their okay. own
0: bank. Great. All right. I get a sense. And let's do maybe another uh, example, and then we'll switch to other ideas.
1: Sure. Another example of a company that we recently invested in uh, is a company called Four Days. It's F O R D A Y S. This is actually in the apparel category. Um, so we invested in Four Days uh, because we got really excited by the idea of something called a closed loop manufacturing process. So one thing we didn't realize, and this kind of fits into the opportunistic category because we hadn't, we hadn't really um, wrapped our brains around this problem before the entrepreneur walked through our doors, was that the average person throws away 80 pounds of clothing every year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of the clothing, given what it's made of these days, ends up in a landfill. Yeah. And apparel, when you look into it, apparel is actually one of the largest Uh, sources of items in in landfills. And that was the problem that the entrepreneur was looking to solve. Um, And so she's solving it in a way that you buy a T-shirt, for example, from the the company. Once you're done with the T-shirt, once it loses its shape, gets stained, whatever, you decide you don't want it anymore, you mail it back to the company they then recycle the material into a new T-shirt and mail it back to you. So it all stays within their closed loop and mm-hmm. it's a way of doing e-commerce with zero waste, which is just a really exciting value proposition mm-hmm. to us because we think there are a lot of consumers out there who care about the climate and you know, care about sustainability and would mm-hmm. rather b- pay a little bit more for a T-shirt that is, it provides, you know, create zero waste, uh, to, to, the world. Um, and so it was an opportunity that we, uh, we, we, jumped on when we saw the, when we saw the deal.
0: Very interesting. That's a really, really cool one. Um, yeah, indeed, there is a tremendous amount of waste in the fashion industry, um, clothing industry. Yeah. Okay. Couldn't so more. <laughs> the next question I have for you is, um, a slightly broader question, which is, uh, Are you looking for unicorns?
1: Well, I think the short answer is yes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm always looking for unicorns because when you look at the, historically, when you look at the mass of venture capital, you need a unicorn in in, in a fund in order to be a top-performing fund. And so the good news is we put about 35 companies into a fund. Not every company needs to be a uniform, unicorn, but we are looking for one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think the short answer is we are looking for unicorns, and they're critical to the success of our model. Um, but we, the good news is we get plenty of opportunities to – find that unicorn within a, given, within a given time, so it's not an impossible task.
0: Okay, so um, I'll just comment a little bit on what you said. Um, in the B2C space, um, I think the VC model works better, perhaps with unicorn, unicorn as a goal the B2B side of venture capital is quite different. You can make a lot of money with smaller funds that have smaller exits with capital-efficient ventures because the vast majority of B2B exits happen in the 50 to $60 million space. All the strategics acquire companies all the time in the sub-$50 million exit price. And for that to work for you, you could actually need to build these companies to, in a very capital-efficient manner. But you could still be making a lot of money as a result. There's a lot of funds out there right now that are these smaller funds, you know, 30, 40, 50 million dollar funds, 70, 80 million dollar funds that are looking at that opportunity and that are not necessarily chasing unicorns. That are looking at the broader opportunity. So. That's you know just my comment. Um, I I think the exit opportunities in B two C are fewer unless you really make it out as a bigger company, um, as a you know an independently successful company. Do you agree with this uh, the comment that I just summarized?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think it's that's right. The m- most M and A happens at I would, I would say 50 to 100, I think you said 50 to 60. I think that's the reality of it. That's where most companies are uh, bought. And when we are lucky enough to get into a company that sells for hundred million dollars, we high five the entrepreneur and celebrate and that's a, that's a win for sure. I mean that's very difficult to, to grow a company from nothing and sell it for hundred million dollars. I think that's an incredible task. So I don't really look at us as you know, being in the business of hunting for unicorns. Um, I do think it's, we, we need one in order to you know, be a uh, you know, very top-performing fund. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say you know, that we, we don't get excited when a company sells for $50 to $100 million. Um, but I think you need a, a very small fund size. In order for that to be the strategy uh, that works, um, so we're just focused on finding great founders that are solving big problems, and the hope is that one of them goes on to be a, a great big company. But when one sells for fifty to a hundred million dollars, that is an amazing win for investors and for entrepreneurs. So I, I you know, I love when that happens, but. It's not the focus of our strategy.
0: All right. Very good. Thank you for sharing your uh, ideas on on what you are doing at uh, Collaborative Fund and uh, what's interesting, what's exciting. Audience, thank you for listening. We will be back soon with another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. In the meantime, you can come to the website and uh, look at our free public roundtables, which are working sessions. You can bring your project and we will strategize and help you accelerate your path to success. See you soon.